0: And thank you for listening to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. This is a passion project I have to bring you insight and tactical advice that you can take and run with today from myself and a very talented and genuine group of guests brought together to help you take your family experience from good to great and build that foundation of confidence and respect and wisdom that every parent wants to see their child master before they ever leave home. What I really love though is connecting with you and giving you a space to connect with each other, which is exactly why the Family Architects Club exists. This private parents club is designed for every parent going through the sixty-five seventy those 6,570 days of the parenthood childhood dynamic, which is where your most influential and most impactful window exists as a parent. And this community supports it guides it laughs it builds together to help you in the greatest project that you will ever have as a parent. That being the 6570 Family Project. So I invite you to come on into this club, get to know people, and see what is waiting for you, including a free members only gift that you will love and use over and over and over again as a parent. So I can't wait to see you there. And you can just go to nellieharden.com slash community. Again, that's nellieharden.com slash community to get connected and get your free members only gift. So I will see you there. Hello and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Hardin, big city girl turned small town, sip and iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project, let's go. Welcome to another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast, where we are building foundations of courage and respect and wisdom in our families, in our kids, so they can leave home ready for a joy-filled life of impact. That is what we are doing here in the 6,570 days that we have in that high-influence, high-impact zone of this parenthood-childhood dance that we are in right now. In that first 18 years, and you guys have a very special guest on today, Catherine Thomas Humphreys, who is a financial coach and advisor, and mum. guess where she's from, from the UK, I love to having this conversation with her and I know you will too. She is going to really dive in, and we have this beautiful conversation about the two sides of money, right? There's the practical side and there is the emotional side. And money is not just a tool, right? It is a tool, but it's not just a tool. No one cries, right? If they lose all of their pencils uh, necessarily, but if you lose all your money, I promise there's going to be some emotions tied into that a lot more than if you lose all your pencils or your crayons, uh, so to speak. So it's a lot more than just a tool. And where does that come from? Why is that? What are the emotions that are tied to that? What about the uh, generational cycles that we have with that? How do we break them if we need to or keep them going if they are good? And how do we keep and save and grow and spend wisely and bring our children into the fold of that right because I know for a very long time very very long time money was a quote-unquote adult thing right you're just a kid you don't get it this is an adult thing but what are our kids? Our kids are adults in the making. And if we don't bring them into the fold on finances when they are within the 65-70, and we can explain some things to them, we can help them understand the power of money, and we can help them understand how it can grow you and how it can close you down in both ways on both sides of that spectrum right there's there's some people that have a lot of money and they're actually shut down by what uh money can do and the power of money and on the converse side there's people that have very little money and money can be something that opens them up or shuts them down as well so No matter where you are at on the spectrum of socioeconomic, that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about the power and the emotional and practical side of money and what that brings into the family and how it affects the family relationships in there. I can't wait to get started with uh, and have you listen to this. It is a great talk. I know I got so much out of this. So without further ado, let's welcome Catherine in. Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast. I'm so excited to welcome our guest today, uh, Catherine, and I have told you all about her and I want her to be able to share her story and introduce her herself to you. But first, welcome to the podcast, Catherine.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Nelly. It's really, really lovely to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. I feel like money... Financial, everything that it does, uh, that it stirs up inside of us can become such a huge part of family discussions, family disgruntles, family aspirations, right? And so I'm so excited to have you on here today and what you are doing in order to help families in this area. So you are obviously a leader in family and financial and family work. So can you tell us a little bit your own story and how you got to where you are today in helping others along the way in their financial story?
1: Yeah of course and um, so I'll start with today and then kind of work back as to, to how we got to there and um, so today I'm a financial coach. I am based in the UK but I help families um, in America, UK and Europe um, and the reason I'm family is because to me finance isn't personal. Um, it's it's there as a vehicle, it's there to support our family, it's there really as a foundation from which we can all aspire and grow and hit goals and hit plans. Um, and family itself changes, it's, that's not a fixed model, that's that transient changes that we might be single, we'll, we'll marry, we may divorce, we'll have children. So you have this transient um, model and then it's how do the finances fit in in order for that family to raise up and for everyone to to achieve what they what the dreams are and how to work as a positive um, unit. Um, before I started coaching I was a UK-based financial advisor which I loved but the advisor-client relationship is very much the advisor tells you where to put your money or, or how where the best return is or how to use that for a pension or retirement. And to me, the money relationship is much more about a person, much more about the individuals involved. So I moved into coaching. Um, but why was I a financial advisor? And I think that's really where the personal story comes in. So, I, I took the path of becoming a mom extremely young. So, I was 17 when I had my daughter. Um, and what I found was I absolutely loved being a mom. I loved that time with her. I think having the energy and the enthusiasm to be with her, to watch her grow and to support her was, was lovely. And I wouldn't change that for the world. But what it also came with was financial difficulty because any single mom, but especially a young single mom, doesn't necessarily have the income or the time to generate the income in order to have a really healthy financial relationship from which the family um, grows. Um, and there's also very little support, although well, there certainly was back then. We are talking 30 years ago now. So I did feel very isolated, very on my own, not much in terms of guidance, how to manage money, how to... Um, There there weren't many groups, really, or much support in the UK at the time for. So it was quite a challenging journey. Um, It taught me resilience. It taught me to be adaptable. It taught me to be very, very creative in terms of how we're going to make some money, how we're going to solve this problem um but on the other side of that coin is over time you do get you get run down you start to doubt are you worth anything are you valuable and those as you know in your work when you have these internal beliefs and these internal feelings that starts to reflect in the behavior and the choices that you make in terms of people you you might choose to be with um So this lesson didn't end shortly. (laughs) I took my time with this lesson Um, and it actually took getting married and finding out that I've chosen someone who valued me as little as I did Mm. um, to to recognize that actually I needed to change, that I had it within me to shift my thought patterns, to shift my perceptions um, and to actually change my own inner world in order to change my, my outer world I and mean, in that decision and that change and that responsibility for myself, I suppose, that's when the finances and the relationship with money and my relationships with family and other people changed. So it's really how did I get from a really difficult path to one where I'm now happily married. We have three children, the finances support that. Um, I run my own business. I feel that I am successful in, in what's important to me. Um, and I think we've all got that. And for me, it's really about reaching back and helping others anywhere along their, their journey with their mini relationship and their family finances.
0: Oh yeah. That is, It's so powerful to look back and see where you've come from. So when I was growing up, it was uh, my dad passed away when I was super, super young. Uh, I was only one when he passed away. And then it was just my mom and I, and we lived in a trailer and I, I loved that trailer. That trailer was home and safe and and great. Mm -hmm. And I knew that we didn't, you know, we, we were not financially, uh, secure, I would say. Um, but man, was it fun. And I, you know, I had a best friend, two trailers down and we played in the trees and we ran around till, you know, the sun went down every day and we had a great time. But it, it was interesting, you know, then she uh, married my, um, my stepdad, who I also called dad later on. And uh, my brother and sister came along with that package. And so then we started seeing you know, my life drastically changed. I went from, you know, living in a trailer with my mom. And then all of a sudden, uh, in middle school and high school, I was living in this, you know, bigger house in ground pool, like all the things. And then as, uh, you know, time went on and then my, uh, dad passed away, my stepdad passed away. And then there was financial insecurities again happening. And so, and it's, Money is such a part of your story. When you don't have it, you're struggling. Uh, you're trying to seek it. You're trying to find it in any way. And worth does become so, so much of that. And um, I was recently, I just, uh, I just brought on a couple of new team members and I was filling out some paperwork and it was this really long, like intake form and worthiness is so tied especially to people that have been in a place that they didn't have finances, like you were just saying. And I, you know, I realized that that worthiness gap right there had when looking on retrospect on my life, I'm like, wow, I've really tried to fill that so many times with so many different things in order to finally feel like I have success. And so one of the things I, um, I wanted to jump ahead for a second because one of the the things you talked about is how money has two sides there's an emotional mm-hmm. and a practical side and yeah. that's that's what we're kind of seeing and talking about right here so can you dive into that
1: a little bit more yeah of course of course um so money in itself in that practical side it's a tool it's an exchange and um, it comes with some rules um but actually it's quite straightforward so for something that seems straightforward then why is it that some of us find it fearful stressful anxious um, and i think that's when you start to see the emotional side because whilst it would be a neutral token um, of exchange it isn't um, it makes us feel that we maybe don't know something it makes us feel, like for example in your example of where you've not had it and then you have had it and then you've lost it, what do those experiences leave us with emotionally um, in terms of a fear that money can go away? And then when we're afraid that money goes away, do we act differently with it? So when we look at our skills, because we're afraid it's going to go away, do we spend it, for example, then it's not gone away? Um, So it's how the feelings and the, the beliefs then affect and interact with the actual skills. Now, when you look, so if you do a Google search, for example, of um, how to be better with money, which is probably the sorts of things we'd be looking at the habits, the outcomes, the answers are all set a budget, um, have a payment plan. Well, that's all well and good. If you're going to face it, if you're not so afraid that you can't look at your bank account or if you're not being led by this, um, it might run away. So therefore you go online shopping and you find that you you, you failed, inverted commas, on your plan. So by acknowledging and honoring the emotional side of money, that those beliefs that we have that are often set pre-seven. So in those early experiences, if we've learned and interpreted that it's scarce, that it's scary or that our parents reacted when there wasn't enough or we saw conflict or we saw a family breakdown those are actually the things that are shaping our money relationship so when we hold true to that and explore that and be really curious about how's that all happened what's going on there then the skills can come alongside it. But if you just do the skills and and ignore that emotional side, it almost sets us up to fail because it's saying this is neutral. And in reality, our experience of it is very, very emotional. And so we have to pull two together for for real success with that.
0: I think that brings up a huge point right there because when you're talking about how a lot of our um, emotional ties and connections to money happen, you know, before seven, definitely within the childhood, I I look at that because so many parents I know when I was growing up and and even before that, you know, money was a quote unquote adult thing right? And that children were separated from that. And I know in the work that I do, it's really about the fact that we're actually building adults, right? And so the 6,570 days that we have in this high influence, high impact zone of parenthood, childhood experience, we are building adults. And so it's really important to incorporate your children in money discussions and even money struggles handled appropriately of course um when finding solutions for those and in decisions that are happening and i know when we bought our house for example uh that we live in now you know that was discussions that we were having with the kids oh this is a mortgage this is what this looks like oh and you know all the different components of it we need to go and sign this paperwork we need to put in you know Uh, good faith money and all of this stuff. And um, it it really has just been something that we have intentionally done and not separated them from with a money experience because my, my husband and I have known each other. We met our freshman year of college. And then we went into tremendous amount of debt because we were living large on like hardly anything coming in. And we graduated college with 30 something thousand dollars in credit card debt and had to go through debt consolidation. And we finally got out of it and, and uh, moved forward, but I don't want that to happen to my kids. Right. So we were very, when we first had kids, we were very conscientious of the fact that we want to, we want to equip them with the knowledge that, you know what money is, how to use it appropriately, how to be wise with that, how to feel good about it emotionally, so they that they don't repeat the cycle that we had. And going along with that, how what are some ways that you can see of incorporating your children into your financial story so that they are more equipped before they leave
1: home? Um, yeah, um, some of the examples of you, you've already given would be those. I think. The openness around conversations about it, um, so that there isn't a sense that it's a taboo, that it's some scary thing that not that is of the adult world. So I think just involve, if you've got family plans or if you're doing budgeting for, for groceries or for holidays, that they are just involved, um, even in just hearing conversations. Um, in terms of things that they can do themselves it depends on on the age so it's about an age appropriate activity so very young children are we playing the exchange when we're, we make believe playing shops for example are they having control and decision making around it um, i think this is some things we think oh they, they can't be trusted so they learn because we're not trusting them that they can't be trusted with money and therefore they take that belief um out into the world um, certainly what I do with my children, um, I, I'm going to be honest now, this is usually controversial. I don't pay them to do household chores mm. um, that is an expectation to contribute to the family. Um, but if there was something that I might go and pay someone else to do, so for example, clean my car, that's, they don't have a choice. Do you want to be paid to do that? Um, and then let them have that opportunity to earn money. Um, as they get older, encourage them to think: um, way to be entrepreneurial. How can you make money? How can you use your your summer to to generate something? What's the kind of business entrepreneurial thing going on in the background? What's also impactful for your community and for other family members? Um, and then I think it is giving them the skills. So if they have earned money or been gifted money. Um, have a conversation so don't tell them you have to save some or you have to invest this or you can't spend it that's let them be involved this is theirs and this is your chance to have um, a conversation around well what could you do with it what's a want what's a need Um, what if you had a little less now and a little more later so this idea of delayed gratification uh, maybe introduce ideas like with mine we, we sometimes start at the 50 30 20 split it into and do 50 percent with something 30 with another and 20 with another but ultimately let them make that choice even if you don't think it's right because that's the practice in control and it's okay for them to make mistakes it's okay if one child spends it all on sweets mm-hmm. whilst their sibling has got it all saved up the one that's done without, that is a lesson in itself. So let them learn that lesson themselves whilst they're still young. Um, so that would be kind of the, the skills base. There's lots and lots of ideas. I get, um, And I'm sure, going back to, to ourselves, we are so creative as people, as humans, we come up with our own ideas. But the other thing I'll say is just be mindful of our language. Mindful of the beliefs that we're saying to them, um, I can still recall my parents saying to me, um, "Money doesn't grow on trees. You really need to be grateful for your dinner. There's people who haven't got any." Um, and whilst in that context, you can see that's that's true. There does need to be gratitude. Gratitude doesn't necessarily come with guilt. Um, and the idea that it doesn't grow on trees is limiting. So when we give them these ideas that we're trying to guide them with, and we're doing the best we can with the knowledge. Um, is that a limiting belief or is the idea of if you spend it, how are you going to make some more? So where's the abundant language? Where's the open language? Um, And just be mindful of repeating what we heard our parents say. We heard our grandparents say, because we have an opportunity to pause and interrupt that belief and not necessarily pass down those, those beliefs and limits to, to our children. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in the 6570 family project we talk a lot about self discipline leadership and the four essential elements of that are our vision right being able to cast vision seeing where we are seeing where we want to go and there is disciplines in there right and uh setting up proper disciplines there's consequences sometimes with disciplines um and then there is uh your um vulnerability, right? Being vulnerable to the situation that you're in and resilience, like you talked about earlier when you were building all of that resilience. So I know you touched on resilience already, but the other parts there with disciplines and uh, casting vision, right? What I'm I'm doing right now, how is that going to look later on? Um, Knowing exactly where you are, can you bring some clarity to those as they pertain to the financial life of a family?
1: Yeah, so I I see the finances as supporting that family. So rather than start with the money, start with the family vision. Um, what are and it might be the yearly one. It might be whole vision. What, what's that plan? What's what's valuable to you as members of a family? What is it you want to be experiencing, seeing, achieving, and moving toward? And then how can the finances um, underpin and support that? So an example here may be that rather than look at what the finances are and constrain the vision to that, it's, for we'll start with the vision and well, what do the finances need to be? Because that's much more expansive um, and it allows room for our mind to look for creative solutions or ways of, of making it happen. And that's not to be um, sort of woo in that sort of, it's going to just come to me. It does require the discipline, the action, the goals to go alongside it, but let's start with that expansiveness. Um, the discipline is, is the money skills, it's here's the habits. Um, so if we have this vision, let's take your example of a, a family vacation. Um, the children are involved in it, we're involved in it. Um, well, what's the number that we need? Uh, what's, uh, I call it a spending plan rather than a budget. Again, I find that more expansive. Um, how are we going to break that down into steps what actions what discipline and regular behaviors do we need to do in order to make sure that happens um, and that would include reviewing along the way sitting back down having a, a date with your money and the whole family or definitely the adults in the family in terms of are we on track what do we still need to do so consistency is probably the key action with money that it if you're consistently doing the same small action or a small action in the right direction and you have that discipline surrounding it, you will get to your outcome. But without that discipline and consistent habit, it's less likely. It's not unlikely. It's not good. Um, So I think that was the discipline. Resilience is can you cope? Because we know as families, um, things happen. Um, Parents leave, people get ill, people lose their jobs, um, so, is our financial situation resilient to that? Um, are we emotionally resilient to coping with that? Do we need to put things in place like protection or extra savings? Because if that, whatever that is happened, it would significantly knock the dominoes down elsewhere. So, that stability and resilience is, is as important as the flexibility and the adaptability to, to house this bigger how's this financial plan going to support that bigger financial vision um, i was interested in the vulnerability though can i ask you to just talk a little bit more about the vulnerability in in your your method
0: yeah well as what i'm foreseeing with the vulnerability when it especially when it comes to finances is living inside of your means right so many people live outside of their means because they want to be someone that they're not so being mm-hmm. actually vulnerable To say we can't do that right now or we're not going to do that right now because we're going to postpone that we're not going to go out to the restaurants three times this week or maybe any times this week we're not going to go on that vacation right now, even though I I know you want it right so being vulnerable within the family even to your kids when they're like everyone else is doing it. Why can't we, right? And you have to be vulnerable as a parent and just say, well, that's not our situation. This is what we have going on. And so I definitely see that as a vulnerable place. And then when you're also seeking help, maybe with a coach like yourself, being vulnerable and honest with that coach, to, to actually say where you are and why you're there and what you're looking for.
1: Mm, that's really good really good point so i think again going back to the money mindset um to sit with yourself and hear how you feel and what you believe and be and so we often hear that it takes curiosity to find these things out about ourselves but i think that to have curiosity takes courage and to, to be vulnerable to face that to hear it um because we have a belief for a reason and a habit for a reason and it's probably trying to help us it's got its purpose but it's not always without vulnerability when we reflect back on how that feels um and I find when I coach people there's usually a point during that where a story comes up that is emotional that is very raw that comes to do with loss or lack of value or not feeling worthy um and then when when we work with that, and then you see the transformation that when I'm valuable, I attract value and I find value and I, um, and then the money skills come from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so for, in our family, um, because there's six of us, we have four kids, you know, my husband and I are four kids. There's just a lot going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And we found that we were not being greatly intentional with a vacation fund And I personally think vacations are, well, first of all, we moved to our vacation spot uh, seven years ago, six years ago. And this, where we live right now was where we were constantly coming on vacation. And then we were here once. And uh, for, I think it was like the 16th time we had come here and we said, why do we keep leaving? And we moved here the following year. So Now we live in our vacation spot, which is great, but also there is the emotional release of being away from things when you actually go on vacation. So now we find other places to go. Uh, Yeah. Barring COVID the last couple of years, we haven't been able to do anything, but we were so busy doing this, that, and the other thing that we weren't setting aside, um, money for vacations. And I think vacations are so important because it is where memories are made. It is where barriers can come down to the typical day. And you can just really like focus on being with each other, learning about one, uh, one another laughing, having fun, adventuring all the things. And so we actually created a, um, a method in order to do that. So we have a small rental property and uh, it's, it's actually an RV. And so we rent that RV out and we use it sometimes too, of course, but we rent it out throughout the entire season. And that is our vacation, our vacation fund. And the kids know that. So when the RV comes back at 10 AM and it's going back out at three, We all need to get out there and we all need to put in our work for that because we're working, you know, for a cruise or we're working for, you know, going somewhere else on a vacation. And that has been very um, motivating (laughs) to, to us all to be able to work together and be like, I know you love, you know, cruises. I know you love this. So let's get out there and, you know, scrub a toilet and let's get out there and clean some drawers, you know? So. It was just kind of interesting the way that that planned out because we saw a problem. We saw a problem that we weren't being able to do, so we created a solution for it.
1: Yeah, I, I love everything about that example. That um, rather than repeat belief that we can't afford a vacation, it's like, well, we want one. So, and then the, the mind and the creativity comes in. Um, that everybody's going to benefit from that every family member. Um, it's a, an income that isn't reliant on, on your working, so it really is um, not safe because nothing's ever safe. But it's it's separate, um, and that it means everybody contributes. So you all contribute, and you all be- all okay. gain. So I think that's a fantastic example of using intentional action to create a financial solution to support a wider family value. Um, And we can all do that on different levels. It doesn't have to be the RV. It could be um, passive income, side hustle. It could just be saving more. It could be going and asking for a pay rise. And once you've asked for that pay rise, putting that extra money aside because that has been deliberately asked for and requested and used for the purpose. Um, I think the only extra I would add there is what are what what's the value? What, I mean, for, for you vacation clearly a huge um thing for all of you in the family, but for somebody else, theirs might be a different one. So just get really crystal clear on what what's important, what's worth something to you that you are willing to to shape your family finances in and around. Um, So yeah, beautiful example. Um, And if you don't mind, I might, I might steal that for for my clients.
0: (laughs) You go for it. You go for it. Yeah. It's uh, it's been fun. We've been doing it for a few years now and um, yeah, it's, it's really worked and it's, it also takes such a load off of us as parents when we do go on vacation, that that money doesn't have to come out of our, general, you know, account or what have you, we can do a little extra, whatever we want to do, because we have money specifically set aside for that. And it's been, it's been really helpful. So I want to just talk then kind of, uh, piggybacking off of that real quick, how working on money, uh, your money relationship also include impl- improves the relationship With your family members or, and with yourself. So can you speak to that a little bit, how improving your money relationship, right? Is that one side of the coin also helps the other side when it comes to relationships inside the family?
1: Yeah, this was, when I first started coaching, this was almost a a byproduct. I hadn't realized, and it's only from coaching and seeing the client feedback that I've realized that this is far more outreaching. And so I had assumed entering into money coaching that I was going to help people with their money, that they were going to feel better, they're going to learn to love it, they're going to see promising outcomes. I expected there to be some self-growth some self-development because anything that we sit with ourselves and we explore our thoughts and our beliefs is naturally going to improve our own relationship with ourselves because of our awareness and because of the changes we then take once we are aware so that wasn't a surprise but what I'm finding 100% of my clients have come back and said things like you've saved my relationship And my husband and I are talking uh, better. Um, And I think it's about some of these ideas about, for example, with money, we have to be open to receiving. And if we're not going to give ourselves permission because we don't think we're valuable, for example, to actually receive money or to be to be gifted time or gifted love. that, That is the parallels that these limiting beliefs also have. So you may see it in a money habit either not asking for a pay rise or not asking and then you'll see the parallel in your relationship not asking someone for their time not asking someone to tell you they love you so because the, the beliefs are effectively the same they're all in and around you your beliefs about yourself and your mindset and your thoughts it's quite natural I guess if you release it, become aware of it to improve your money relationship, the knock-on effect is that you're also going to have a more open relationship with a partner um, and allow yourself to receive. Um, An example I have with a really recent client, um, she was excellent at budgeting, really, really great money skills. She could budget no space in there for anything lovely, no space for the vacations, for for the pamper, for the trip to the hairdressers, just no loving space. Um, And when she realised that she didn't really think she deserved that sort of thing and made space for it, the knock on effects were that her and her partner are now getting married, they're buying a house together, Um, they have regular money dates, she's got space in her budget for her, she's um, got a new job with a higher income. Um, and all, all for her is, is very, very good. Um, and that was just based on the fact that she didn't feel that she thought she needed to fix so many relationships. So all into, into a woven. Wow. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So before we go, I want to ask if you have one quick tip for our listeners, about finances and if you could if you have one quick tip on the emotional side and one quick tip on the uh, practical side that would be awesome
1: okay so i think my one quick tip on the emotional side would be a challenge really but for the next week you just become aware of what you're telling yourself about money so if someone tries to give it to you if you get paid if you go to spend it What's that voice? What's that thought? What's that belief that comes in? Um, Is it there isn't enough or I can't get any more? I have to work too hard for it. Um, I don't want to put words into anyone's mind. Just really super aware and write it down because that awareness is now going to begin the beginning point of a change, because as soon as you hear and tune into that, and you're going to hear it again next time. So that, that would be the start point, the self-awareness of what you're already believing and telling yourself about money. And um, So that's quite easy. Um, the practical tips, I think it just depends on where you are, but maybe the example of with the vacation and my client that budgets and money doesn't have to be restrictive. It's not about doing without. So really just maybe look through your bank statements and think, what have I spent on this month? And then look at maybe your family values or the values, you know, that are important to you, time, social life. Is it, you know, what's valuable there? And look at your, compare the two. Am I spending my money in line with my values Mm. or is it all going somewhere else altogether? Um, And just get crystal clear on where the money's going and then take a step. Okay, I'm going to open a savings account for my holiday fund or I'm going to open a savings account and that's my monthly treat to to the spa or the beautician. So bring you and space for you into your spending plan. Um, so two, two quick tips maybe to, to get started with.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. And it's just so funny. My husband and I were sitting on the couch the other day and something about finances um, came up on a show we were watching and they said, you know, if you look uh, at your statement, you should be able to see what's important to you. And we both looked at each other and we're like, well, I guess food is really important. (laughs) And you look at our statement, uh, you know, it's not cheap to take six people out to, you know, dinner or even lunch. And, um, so yes, if you look at our statement, you're like, wow, they really like to eat that family. (laughs)
1: and i think that is just such a lovely example though is that if you were to sit down and do a budget from scratch and not look at the statement would you budget as much for for food and for family because it's not just about food is it? it's about the time together um so if it's important make more space in your budget for it Go, uh, if you've got to make a compromise compromising something that's less valuable to you. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: we all like I homeschool and we work from home and we're always home together. So going out to eat is a, it's, it's a treat, right? Because we're out of the house, someone else is doing the dishes. Right. And so it is, it is important to us and it, yeah, it's just so funny. That's very, Definitely reflected in our statements. Well, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us where we can find you um, out in the great social world?
1: Uh, of course. So, my business is called the uh, Finfluencer, so, financial influencer not because I am, but because I believe every single one of us is. Mm. Um, So you can find me at thefinfluencer.co.uk. I'm also on Instagram where I share tips daily, either on mindset or the practical sides of money. Um, And that's Catherine underscore thefinfluencer. Um, but I think if you start at my website, you can pretty much find everything from there. Um, you'll find my one-to-one coaching for anybody who wants to work specifically um, on their family or their money mindset. But I also, only as yesterday, actually, have launched my membership for my clients to support them with video coaching. And the consistent behavior, because habits take time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just knowing there's someone in your pocket to remind you to look at it, to sit with it, to pause, to think, to become aware until the habits take place. Um, So we meet once a month um, in a group coaching session. We just talk about our wins, accountability. I am a very safe, non-judgmental, compassionate space. I think that's because of the, the journey that I've been on myself. Where we are is where we are, but we can all change that as soon as we decide to.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know this is a treat for everyone that is listening right now. And I can't wait to see what you can do with all of your clients going forward.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Nellie, for having me. And I hope you enjoy your next vacation. We're <laughs> out of the house. <laughs>
0: Yes, me too. Although today, as we were talking about earlier, it's a, it's an icy day. We don't normally have ice here, but we're iced in today, but that's fine. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that want to love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community, and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project, and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design, and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life. And that's what goes into these first 6,570 days, and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives. So come join the club. You can find your invitation on the front page of my website, NellieHarden.com. That dot com. Thank you again for being a part of this conversation today. And if something really resonated with you or if you have a question, please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you love the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building you guys, and I'll see you next week.